to the Sing Edgeless Podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be chatting about how to master life stages to live your best life. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys some background on the importance of nutrition for the life cycles, especially women, and the shifts that happen from adolescence to womanhood to pregnancy and to menopause. And later, we will chat with Andrew Fuller, a clinical psychologist, family therapist, author, and speaker. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in Sweden, Australia, South Africa, Denmark, France, Mexico, Canada, and the USA. I appreciate you all. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write a review. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Today on the show, I'm excited to chat about nutrition across the life cycle. Vitamins and minerals are essential for us to thrive, but because our body doesn't produce most of the vitamins and minerals we need, we do have to consume them from a well-balanced diet. But the essential vitamins and minerals our body needs for optimal health depends on many factors and varies across the life cycle. During adolescence, growth spurts and puberty can spur a surge in appetite requiring a larger intake of calories. So foods high in nutritional value such as fruits and veggies, seafood, lean meat, eggs, can all help nourish this growth. I can attest to the fact that being vegan, even in your teenage years, is possible because I became vegan when I was 13. So it is possible to eat a balanced diet. And I've seen other people raise their children in this way, but you do have to pay attention um, to the fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains that you are giving your child to make sure they're balanced. And you also do need to also supplement with some sort of gummy multivitamin or regular multivitamin so that your kid is getting all the nutrition they need. Adolescents also need vitamin D and calcium for healthy bone building and iron, especially for girls who have started menstruating. Generally for adults 19 to 50 years old, vitamin and mineral requirements kind of vary slightly for men and women due to differences in the body. So men require more vitamin A, vitamin C, K, B1, B2, B3, and choline, and the minerals magnesium, zinc, chromium, and manganese. Women especially need more iron, and that is because of menstruation. It's a very essential mineral that is lost through the process of menstruation. For women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, We need to make sure that they're getting enough vitamin A, C, B vitamins, such as B6, B12, and folic acid. And also, if you want to learn more in depth some of the nutrition needed for pregnancy, go back to some of our pregnancy episodes. We have some amazing episodes in the pregnancy series that kind of break down really what a pregnant woman needs. So there's a big shift with pregnancy as far as there's a slight increase in calories, and then there is um, there are certain nu- uh, nutrients that we do need to focus on more in depth. Then once we move to 50 plus years, we should keep in mind that although our calorie intake needs to generally decrease, our requirement for an adequate intake of vitamins and minerals is actually more important than ever. As we age, vitamin D, calcium, dietary fiber, zinc, vitamin E, and vitamin B12 are all extremely important. A lot of people are also not absorbing nutrition in the same manner. Sometimes people have low stomach acid and things like this that 
cause the body to not be receiving the amount of nutrition that it needs. So this is another reason why to pay attention to what's going on to optimize that because we want to be taking in as many nutrients as we can. As we age, our body's ability to make vitamin D through the skin actually decreases. And then after about age 30, the rate at which we lose bone mass exceeds bone formation, which is why calcium intake becomes very important. A good amount of dietary fiber will help us maintain regular bowel movements and feel fuller longer. Uh, Vitamin E is an antioxidant that may help prevent damage to the body's cells, and research studies are being performed to see if they can help delay or prevent diseases such as stroke, cancer, and dementia. Additionally, our ability to absorb zinc and B12 tends to decline as we age, so it's a good idea to include these as supplements. So we want to pay attention as we age to nutrient absorption and how to optimize that and dealing with any sort of health challenges we may have to actually absorbing the nutrients from our food. All right, all right, all right. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to chat with our amazing guest for today. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. Our signature programs include Staying Ageless 30 Plus, which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all-new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms if you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's clean starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and Candida and Parasites Be Gone for those who are ready to kick Candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. Enrollment is now open for three of our programs and we officially launched January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. When I lived in LA, I was at the beach all of the time. (laughs) The beach was my happy place. After going to the beach, I would always stop by this amazing raw food restaurant. They had the most delicious food, burritos, cinnamon rolls. I was obsessed. Fast forward to this year when I wanted to give myself a jumpstart on raw, I discovered that this amazing restaurant that I used to frequent had transitioned to nationwide delivery of fully prepared raw meals. It's called Raw Revolution, and for 20 years, they've been serving the finest and most vibrant living foods meals. They offer a raw box, which includes two fresh pressed juices, four gourmet entrees, four generous sides, and two delicious low glycemic desserts. The raw box is designed to provide one person with about four to five days of lunches and dinners. I also love that the menu changes each week, so there's always lots of variety. I get a lot of inquiries from listeners and clients alike who want to go raw and feel like it's not sustainable time-wise. If this is you, this is an amazing solution to get your raw jumpstart. Head on over to rawvolution.com and use the code RAWGIRL to receive a discount on your first purchase. Today's guest is Andrew Fuller, a clinical psychologist, family therapist, author, and speaker. 
Andrew has been described as someone who puts the heart back into psychology. As a clinical psychologist, Andrew Fuller works with many schools and communities in Australia and internationally, specializing in the well-being of young people and their families. He is a fellow of the Department of Psychiatry and the Department of Learning and Educational Development at the University of Melbourne. He is the author of Tricky Kids, Guerrilla Tactics for Teachers, Raising Real People from Surviving to Thriving, Work Smarter, Not Harder, and Beating Bullies. His new book, Your Best Life at Any Age, How to Acknowledge Your Past, Revive Your Present, and Realize Your Future, goes on sale in North America on May 21st. Andrew has also co-authored a series of programs for the promotion of resilience and emotional intelligence used in over 3,500 schools in Britain and Australia called the Heart Masters. Andrew has established programs for the promotion of mental health in schools, substance abuse prevention, reduction of violence and bullying, and suicide prevention programs for assisting homeless young people. Andrew continues to counsel young people to this day and also conducts workshops for organizations, parents, students, teachers, and health professionals on a wide range of topics. Hi, Andrew. I'm super, super excited to have you on Staying Ageless today. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I'm delighted to be with you, Asosa. Hi. So um, first of all, I'm just super fascinated by um, your endeavor to interview a half a million people. I love interviewing people. This is part of why I do this. I just like learning about, you know, patterns. You're a clinical psychologist. Before we get into like your whole mission and, and interviewing people and learning about life stages, can you tell us how you got into clinical psychology? Yeah, I... um started out my career in psychiatric crisis teams. So I was on bridges and in siege situations or in really highly conflictual situations where people were often contemplating abbreviating their lives. And I was very fortunate that nobody ever did, but it, it got me fascinated in how you stop people getting to that point in their lives. And then I've, since that time, 35 years ago, I've been doing a lot of research in all sorts of areas in thinking about that and how you construct a different way of being really in your life and uh, how you create a resilient life as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Why resilient? Why do you say resilient? Well, I, I guess I defined resilience as the happy knack of being able to bungee jump through the pitfalls of life. So when tough stuff happens to you, as it happens to us all, how you rise above it, how you get past the obstacles of life and to think about how you do that, obviously, is a critical skill. Now, as far as I understand it, life really is an improvisational art. And so what allows us to be resilient is to be flexible. And to be flexible or improvisational requires us to draw upon the multiple inner aspects of ourselves and apply them to our circumstances. And those circumstances, of course, vary at different stages of our life and different times. And so that's an important thing just to think about how we can increase flexibility. As a general kind of rule, though. I like that. I like the flexibility. Yeah, and the idea that it's an improvisational art. Yeah, no, I love that because I always tell people that the true measure of health is resilience because really, if you're super healthy, you should be able to bounce back whenever, you know, hopefully whenever any sort of crisis or health issue comes and you build that resilience over time through doing all your healthy rituals. So I like it 
from your perspective? Because the flexibility portion is very interesting because that also means, you know, if I'm in a new environment, I'm flexible. I'm able to like find the foods that I need and find a way to do my exercise or whatever it is. So it means that the person who has the most options has the most power. And so hmm. and the reason they have the most power is because they have the most flexibility. And so survival really is about that flexibility in your life and having more than one game to play or card to draw upon or strength to you know, use in your life. And so the more diverse and the more rich we become in our inner world, the more powerful we're enabled to be in a positive way in our lives, I think. Love it. So why did you decide to interview a half a million people and how did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> Might have been just a crazy idea. I, I'm, I mean, I'm very fortunate, very privileged in the sense that I get to run workshops on resilience all around the place, overseas as well as in Australia. And uh, when you do that, of course, people do things for you, and uh, which is kind of cool. And so what I started to do is to ask people to map their lives and a really simple way of mapping your life. It wasn't very complicated, but it was to grab a bit of paper and, you know, put a, a vertical axis of 10's the happiest you've ever been and zero's the most miserable you've ever been and then uh, track the, the years along the horizontal and then start to look at the ups and downs of life. And so I started to do that and then I'd take these back to wherever I was staying that night and go through them and try to you know consolidate the patterns and I'll I'll talk about those patterns a bit later but the process then became one of then starting to use that general knowledge once I'd got about uh, 20,000 or so to then have people discuss how they their lives varied from that of course everyone has different experiences in their lives at different mm. times but there are also you used the word patterns early on which which surprised me that there were there was much more patterning to it than I had thought Hmm. And so starting to understand those patterns gives you a chance to peek around the corner in life and go, what might be coming up for me and what might I need to prepare for differently? Hmm. So one of the mistakes that I think commonly people make is to assume that life will always be the way it is now. And that's not true. <laughs> Life will be different because we are different and we grow and we develop and our circumstances change. And so being able to, to look around the corner, it may be not exactly at what's going to happen for you personally, but what generally happens to people is a very valuable gift, I think. Hmm. That's so interesting. So what were you talked about some of the patterns Tell us a little bit about what, what are some of the common things you saw. I mean, these are all different types of people, different backgrounds, different races. Yes, from all sorts of backgrounds. So uh, a really diverse bunch of people came to these things. Obviously, their common uh, aspect was that they were interested in thinking about their lives to some extent. So they were thoughtful enough to do that. But they were from many, many cultures and many religions and, you know, a great diversity of people and a great diversity of ages. Uh, so as part of it, for example, I held a series of lunches with people who are all in their 90s. Mm. And that was a fascinating process to do. Brothers and sisters 
particularly, all in their 90s. And one of the things that I, le- I learned from those lunches, it was a great, a great thing to do. But one of the things I, I learned from those lunches, was if you ever have the belief, the idea that one day your brothers or sisters will see your upbringing precisely the way that you do, forget it. It's never going to happen. These people, brothers and sisters, were still arguing about the same old stuff 90 years later. They had never <laughs> got to any reconciliation. That's in fact, hilarious. in some ways, the divisions were stronger than ever and still going hot. <laughs> it was great. That is hilarious. So what are the major life stages and what are some things that we can look out for? Like, let's say starting in your 30s. A lot of my listeners are like 30 plus. Yeah. Okay. So really fascinating processes. Let's just go a slightly before 30 and talk about 27 and a half, which now, now these are going to sound slightly odd. Hmm. And the reason I just want to, I want to give a little bit of background. I didn't start out with any particular pattern in my mind, but as I reviewed thousands of these life charts, I became aware that it looked roughly, and it was rough, I'm, you know, it's not a precise thing, but about every seven years, people often had a, an experience of change. And so it was interestingly worthwhile to consider life in seven-year slices. Huh. And um, yeah, and so then, of course, I, having kind of come across this, I then of course, realized that almost every culture and civilization and religion had come up with something similar along the idea of a seven-year cycle of life. So it became a, a really fascinating process. And so just before the 30s, there's a, there's a pattern around 27 and a half, and it was so precise in so many people's lives that it became quite I really had to scratch my head and check out whether this was true. But there is a group of people who they have the first great love, you know, and they they really have this wonderful first relationship. And then after, after, after hanging together for quite some time, around 27 and a half, it all falls apart. Oh, no. And they're devastated. They're set back on their, you know, their heels, and they've just had this incredible shock. For some of them, if they're very privileged, it's the first real shock of their lives. And many of them, not all, but many of them, would then go back home to their village or their their parents' home, and they would uh, say, take me in, look after me. And, of course, parents being generally kind people would do that and help the brokenhearted to kind of recover. But one of the things that I got to see was that if they stayed a bit too long, they often wouldn't leave again until they were 35. Mm. They would take quite some time to repair and recover. So I guess one of the bits of advice that I started to say to parents of 20-something, 27-and-something-year-olds was, you know, if your child comes home brokenhearted after a, a, a dreadful relationship breakup, take them in, look after them, of course, be kindly, but boot them out fairly soon afterwards. Don't <laughs> let them stay too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so the 27th year, 
sorry, the 29th year, I should say, begins really with the commencement of adulthood. So many people dawdle and meander their way through life in a, a lovely kind of wayward way, although increasingly the 20s are a time of quite fraught confusion for many young people. They think they should know what they're doing and they've got no real idea. And it's only when they're <laughs> 29th year that they start to get a bit of a handle on what's going on. And so they resolve this sort of time of kind of being pretty bewildered by suddenly latching on to something that they're certain of. And what was interesting for me was that they latched onto it with, with such ferocity that they became almost maniacal about it. So I ended up calling the phase 29 to 35 the Napoleon years. Now, the Napoleon years, because basically you think you've got a plan and you think you'll, it'll come off. It's going to be okay, you know. But just as Napoleon discovered when he tried to attack Moscow, it doesn't always work out the way you hope, you know. And so essentially this is kind of really interesting. They can take on the world. They're full of all sorts of possibilities, but they've got they're not flexible. They've got one game um, and almost invariably it, it runs out. Hmm. Hmm. And so things then shift around 36. So between 36 and 42 is a very different phase of life to 29 to 35. Now, the 36 to 42 age range is filled with endeavor and energy still so it's lots of possibilities so people take on careers they start things they run podcasts they do all sorts of wonderful things right and they can become so consumed with their own life it's almost as if they uh, treat their friends as walk-on extras in their life mm. and so friendships sometimes fall apart around this time huh Certainly, there's a yeah, so cherished friends can basically fall out in sometimes dramatic ways around that 35 to, to 42 time. It's a time when you know everything looks good biologically, where everything's in the right place still, and but there's something different about this stage. And I, there's almost a I ended up calling it clinging to the wreckage, which sounds a bit bleak, but it was actually a time when. You're looking at the last sort of remnants of that real youth and you're trying to work out basically how to kind of balance your new kind of you, – you broadened out your endeavour. So you're no longer Napoleon with one single aim of conquering Moscow. You've, you've got past right. that. But you've now got this kind of great vision of what you can do. So you start families, you have renovations, you have children, you kind of start careers. You're nodding your head as I speak about this. Um, and so it's a really interesting process. And conversations, of course, between uh, people in that age range change quite dramatically from the idealistic nature of earlier conversations to a much more pragmatic of paying the bills and getting ahead and being the professional. And frankly, they're a bit boring, to be honest. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's an interesting kind of process. <laughs> <laughs> I've just offended half your audience. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. Very true. <laughs> it's a really interesting, and it's interesting to realize that that's going to be a different phase of life. Yeah. And so, 
42 to 49 is this incredible phase of life. And part of the reason, I think, is partly how it ends. Now, more people enter Mm. therapy at the age of 49 than any other. And they do so because they lose themselves. Between 42 and 49 is possibly the most industrious phase of life. People are incredibly busy, generally speaking. Sometimes they're raising children. Often they're tending to careers. Sometimes they're caring for aging parents. So they're sort of sandwiched in and they're so busy they still do quite a lot of growing. I think during this phase, generally speaking, women grow more than men. So often by 49, the women look at the men and go, well, I've done all this development. What about you? So sometimes relationships become imperiled at that point. But generally, by the age of 49, you've been so preoccupied, you look in the mirror one day and go, where did I go? What oh. happened to me? Huh. Where, where was, where's my life gone? And it's this shock, really. And it's a time then of, of almost taking stock of your life. And if you don't take stock of your life, you can, you can pretend that it's not happening, but that happens at a cost. So some men try to ignore this and remain strong and think that they are immortal and have a sort of Peter Pan type of ageless sort of belief that, you know, they're just as strong as they were when they're 28 and uh, everything sort of looks the same as it always was and they're just as sexy and desirable and wonderful (laughs) as they always were. But, uh, you know, the look and the reality are not quite the same thing you know so everybody else is looking at them and going you're not fooling anyone mate um <laughs> but but the, <laughs> which is a tragedy for them but anyway that's that's okay but it is an important time to reconsider your life because this is the peak time in many parts of the world for uh cardiovascular problems in men mm-hmm. in the next seven year cycle we see it for women um so that's slightly later for women um and so unless you start to take care of yourself and to realize things aren't exactly the same as they've always been mm-hmm. you don't recalibrate mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so i ended up calling this stage of life the holding the tiger by the tail phase it's almost like you've got this tiger and you've got it by its tail and if but if you let go of the tail it's going to bite you big time right. right and so you've got this you got to hang on for grim kind of you know basically for all you're worth because otherwise you're going to basically fall apart um and there's often a time of sacrifice so it's a time when people in the best of ways, sacrifice themselves for their family, for loved ones, for relationships, and so or for careers. And so it's a time then of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And the answer to exhaustion, as the, as the poet David White beautifully put it, the answer to exhaustion is not always basically more holidays. It's actually finding something that really is matters to your heart, something that's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And so there's a calling to a real important purpose, a different purpose in your life. Super cool. Would you say that this is one of the most difficult life stages or is there one that's more difficult than this one? (laughs) Oh, yes. Sorry. Bad news coming. (laughs) Just... (laughs) 
Then you get the really difficult one. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, so so you're 49, you've looked in the mirror, you've thought, where did my life go? Where did I go? And, And suddenly you have to do a major readjustment. So between 49 and 56 is a phase of being betwixt and between, being all at sea, being bewildered. The old game plans no longer work. The old way of living your life no longer functions. Things have passed their use-by date. And it's a time, which is not always bad, but it's a time when almost invariably the angels and the demons both come out to play in your life. So it's a time Mm. of passion and ecstasy, of wanting to recapture things, and you watch people try and recapture things of their youth that they have lost. Mm. But it's also a time when they're tormented because they're all grown up now. They should know what they're doing with their life. And most of them have got no idea. And so they go into this this time of transition where they feel bewildered. Sometimes they think they're depressed, even though it's more an existential kind of malaise than a true depression. And they've lost their sense of purpose. They don't feel relevant anymore. Now, Hmm. it's not always bad because people who've had rotten childhoods or have had really tough times in their late teens and early 20s often find that this stage of life between 49 and 56 is a chance to revisit some of those times and almost redo them properly well. So... But even even if you're doing that, they're still going through this bewilderment phase. Now, some people, of course, during that time, between 49 and 56, are parenting teenagers. And Mm. one of the fascinating things to watch is teenagers is trying to work out who you are, right? You're trying to work out how to be cool, how to fit in, how to be successful, how to be smart, dumb, whatever whatever it is, right? That's what teenagers yeah. are all about. But the problem is that people between 49 and 56 are doing the same thing. They're going through exactly huh. the same process of trying now. Their first half of their life is sort of finished and they're trying to work out what am I going to do with the next part, right? And so you've got these two groups of age groups that are basically pretty much doing the same stuff. But the problem is the people who are 49 to 56, it's really easy for them to look at the people in their teenager ships and go, well, it's all right for you and get a bit scathing and a bit, you know, belittling of them because essentially, well, it's so easy for them, you know, they've got computer games and blah, 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 <laughs> and, and get a bit grumpy about it. And if you just do that, you're in trouble. Right. So. One of the common errors at this stage of life is because almost it to, in order to reinvent your life, which you have to do at various points throughout your life, but particularly at this point, this, the temptation for human beings, I think, is to feel discomforted in themselves, to look out across the room at somebody else and go, it's your fault, you're the reason. And so friendships, relationships fall apart. Because in some ways, the other person is blamed for the disquiet in yourself. Mm. And while obviously some relationships do fall apart, the way 
out of this phase is in. You've actually got to restructure who you are. You can't just blame your friends, your your partners, because they don't have the answers either. So it's about reinventing who you are. Now, of course, historically speaking, many of our ancestors weren't alive for this long. So in a way, the next part of life is less scripted historically because human beings haven't been at it for quite so long. They haven't lived as long. And so there is more diversity around it. And that's a great opportunity, of course, as well. So young people, oh, sorry, people today have more choices than their parents and way more choices than their grandparents and, in, you know, incredibly more diversity, thank goodness, than their great-grandparents yeah. and so on. No, I find that really fascinating because, like, I think about, like, well, my grandmothers lived to 100. One of them lived to 99 or something. The other one was 103. And so yeah. it's like, what would you do from 70 to 100? I mean, that's like 30 full years to do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is probably have a wonderful time. Yeah. You see, lots of people, we can go forward into that phase, but often, so the answer to this earlier phase of reinvention is connection and creativity. And so the peop- it's a really interesting phenomenon when you, when you get to that phase of life, it's almost like a split pathway for humans. Some people prematurely decide mm-hmm. to become old and frail. They almost you know, give up, mm. whereas others open up the windows and doors of their life and allow fresh adventures, fresh relationships through passions, fresh interests into their world. And it's really amazing to me as I studied this, that people who do that become really, um, they're like magnets to younger people. Yes. So their vitality is contagious and you, you can see it in them. They, they're, they're, you know, they're at the age that they are, but some, there's something really attractive about them and there's something vibrant and they're embracing life in a, in a really creative way because they can afford to be much more innovative than, you know, when you're a scaredy-cat teenager, you can't take those risks. Whereas in this right. later phase of life, you can. You can afford to kind of, you realise probably you're not going to look that good doing anything anyway. So you might as well just get on and do what you want, really. Um, and so being brave enough to do that <laughs> makes a big difference. And so finding that area of creativity and connection makes a big, big difference. That's super cool. I feel like I could talk to you about this forever. We might need to have you come back maybe after your book is out. What did you notice anything in the let's say people over 70 that were I guess more healthy, more vibrant or just living a good life? Did you notice any consistencies between those people? That's what I'm mostly interested in. <laughs> well, obviously one of the things that we try to in that life there's a there's a there's a dual kind of pathway, I think. One is to use the benefits of modern medicine as much as possible 
So they're basically trying to think about why, while the picture of, of getting to those more senior years is a, a picture of decline, and biologically, sometimes people do decline in terms of levels of particular things. If you can keep those up, that makes a gigantic difference. And one of the ways to keep that up is by, by basically using what modern medicine can provide, but also living a life that is probably much more similar to our ancestors. So our ancestors mm. would walk probably on average about seven miles a day, for example. Mm -hmm. So moving the body and moving the mind become incredibly powerful and being prepared to give up some of the rivalries and the competitiveness of earlier years and to deepen relationships in a way. So, so probably because people of this age range who take, embrace vitality become magnets for younger people, they can afford then to take on protégés and partly help them to come into their own world in a really positive way. And the person who benefits from that is, well, both of them do. I love that because I feel like that, I feel like I have a lot of people like that in my life. Like I have a lot of older friends. <laughs> it's a good thing to have, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's really awesome. You benefit from the wisdom um, that they bring. And I think there's an energy exchange that happens that's, like you said, it's mutually beneficial. And it's kind of handy to, to be around people who are, I don't know, 15, 20 years further down the road and can show you a bit of a way of doing it well. Because the popular yeah. media, at least where I am, doesn't portray that very well at all. Yeah, no, for sure. In Australia, where I am based, uh, the biggest users of online dating services are people over 60 years of age. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many of them are becoming much more adventurous in terms of their relationships. So that's a kind of interesting thing to think about. Super cool. Super cool. This is an awesome conversation. Can we do a part two? I want to do a part two. Yeah, that'd be fantastic to do. Yeah. Awesome. So where can people find your book? It's coming out really soon. Yeah, it's coming out, I think, on the 7th of May. It's called Your Best Life at Any Age. And um, it's in uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and places like that, and all good bookshops, I suppose I should say. And uh, it's just about thinking about what the patterns of life are. And I'm not trying to say that the patterns will specifically apply to your life, because, mm -hmm. of course, there are things that happen in everyone's life which are just idiosyncratic. But to look at just the general patterns of life gives you a chance to go, well, what's true for me? Mm. So um, perhaps rather than trying to cover it right now, one of the things that would be great to talk about next time are family yeah. time bombs and how they explode into people's lives mm. because they are incredibly powerful. So we could actually go through and track how you, do a, how, how you map your life and what you look for. That sounds amazing. Let's do that. <laughs> that. Let's do that. That sounds great. Okay. Are you on social media? I am. I'm on Facebook, uh, Andrew Fuller Psychologist, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. I'm looking forward to part two. 
I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation. So, so it's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Attention, superfood lovers. You all may know by now that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients and 46 antioxidants, and every part of the amazing plant can be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face twice a day, and then I also use Moringa powder to add to my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from an amazing company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare and wellness products. The coolest part? Every time you make a purchase from True Moringa, they plant a tree in your name. Yes, child, to date they have planted over 2 million Moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in Ghana. To check out their awesome products, visit TrueMoringa.com and use the code RAWGIRL at checkout for 10% off and free shipping over $20. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. All right. It is time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is slide up in my DMs on Instagram at The Raw Girl or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. Today's question is from Brie via email who says, as an older woman, should I start taking calcium supplements daily or what are some foods that I can start regularly including in my diet that are high in calcium, but don't include dairy? Hi, Bree. Thank you so much for reaching out. This is a really great question for a couple reasons. Um, one of the things I'm really careful of with my older clients is the amount of vitamin D they're taking. Um, a lot of times my older clients may be prescribed from a doctor or another health professional high amounts of vitamin D, and you want to be careful with that because vitamin D tells the body what to do with your calcium. And if you have excess of it at certain ages, especially in your senior years, it can actually cause calcium deposits and other issues. So it's really important, first of all, to make sure you're not mega dosing vitamin D. Although, you know, the ability for your body to absorb does decrease, um, mega dosing is not recommended. Um, and it's, it's just much better to pay attention to going out into the sun getting some um, adequate supplementation, but not overdoing it. Now, there are definitely a lot of places you can get calcium outside of milk. A lot of people don't realize that green leafy vegetables, such as kale, okra, and spinach, are actually high in calcium. Collard greens, broccoli rabe, soybeans, cooked soybeans actually are um, high in calcium, bok choy, dried figs, oranges, broccoli, If you are a pescatarian, uh, sardines or salmon can give you some calcium. And then there are um, 
some other things like fortified foods. So if you are plant-based, you can do almond milk or orange juice that's fortified. And, and usually there are brands that you will see that are fortified with calcium because a lot of people are concerned about calcium intake. I am not a big tofu proponent, but if you do consume tofu, you can actually find some tofu that is prepared with calcium. Oatmeal that is fortified also can have some calcium in it. And um, certain beans also have a, a little bit of calcium in there as well. I also love things like um, if you're consuming superfoods, you can also get a decent amount of calcium. Injera is really interesting. Uh, the Ethiopian frat bread, it does have some calcium in it. It also has a lot of other really great nutrients, iron, potassium, magnesium. Um, so finding some additional superfoods to consume also can help you hit that calcium intake. But generally speaking, if you're eating a really well-balanced plant-based diet, you should be able to get calcium without a problem. Just make sure you're not megadosing that vitamin D. I really hope that helps you. All right, all right. I hope that today's episode gave you some insights on how to master each life stage to live your best life. Today, I leave you with a quote by Layla Gifty Akita who says, every stage of life is unique. At any age and stage of life, there are obstacles, opportunities, trials, and triumphs. Never allow the negative to bring you to a sudden halt. Make the most of the positive opportunities and stay positive. I hope that this week, you find the resilience to move through any challenges you may have so you too can live your best life, sis. Well, that's all for today. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. To watch the interview on video from this and past podcast episodes, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash The Raw Girl. 